Welcome to the Once in Future Authors Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I am so delighted today to be joined by author Ellis Goodman. Ellis is the author of Bookends, Short Stories for a Long Life. I'm a huge fan of short stories, and I'm a huge fan of Ellis. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Thank you. Good to be here. Thrilled to have you. And, And Ellis, you know that I'm always thrilled to have that that lovely accent on my show. (laughs) I I cultivate especially. Do you, just for me, you do, just for me. Tell us, you know, all of our listeners, just a little bit about you and where that accent came from before we get to the book. Well, I'm I'm English, as you gather, but I've been living in the States nearly 40 years, just under 40 years. And uh, I moved from London, where I was born, but I grew up in Sussex. And I've had a long career, a long life. I've been blessed with a long life and and I've done many things in my life. And uh, uh, latterly, the last um, nearly 20 years, I've been writing books and making movies while I've been doing other things as well. So it's kept me busy and out of trouble, as my wife would say. Well, I'm glad to hear that even after 40 years, that lovely lilt has not left you. Yes, I don't, I don't know why I, have, I still retain the accent, but I, it's, it, it seems uh, I have. Oh, well, well, Just, don't fight it. Yeah, no, I'm not fighting it now. <laughs> now, before we even get to bookends, your, your recent book, you said the last uh, 20 years or so you've been writing books and making films. You want to share any of those with us? Yes, well, um, on the book side, my first book was um, a marketing, a business marketing book about Corona beer, because I'm the guy that brought Corona to the United States, and it was a very interesting experience, and I wrote about how Corona overcame all sorts of issues to become America's number one imported beer, and uh, then I wrote two novels, both of which were espionage novels, they were, one was a sequel to the other. The first one was called Bear Any Burden, and the second one, The Keller Papers. And um, they, they were standalone books, but they, they, uh, they were really, the, the Keller Papers was the sequel. And they were about um, an espionage situations in the early 80s, which was um, when there was a Cold War going on between East and West. So they involved... Um, the Russians, they involved the characters' experiences in the Second World War and the impact that had on the three main characters. And they involved a lot of um, espionage intrigue. And particularly at that time and now again, you know, the Cold War with Russia is heated up again, so to speak. And so uh, they're they're still, the stories are very relevant, absolutely very relevant. And um, they did quite well. Um, uh, they weren't the best sellers in the world, but they were the best sellers where I live because <laughs> yeah. I worked on it. And then I, then I decided to do a book of short stories. And so that is uh, the one that we've just published or you've just published called Bookend, Short Stories from a Long Life. Well, even all, all uh, fiction is based on facts. So these aren't the, the, the book, the stories are not exactly fact, but they're based on fact and they're based on personal experiences. Absolutely. Well, even before bookends, I mean, certainly I'm a big Ellis Goodman fan. First of all, uh, Corona beer, I think I have two cases of it in my house right now. It is a favorite of the Larkin family. And uh, espionage, I don't know if you have any uh, 
favorite authors, but my husband is absolutely addicted to like the Clive Cussler, um, right. friend, you know, that, that, that vein of books. So, uh, right. <laughs> I, well, I've, I've, I've always liked John le Carré. Okay. And, and in fact, I met him many, many years ago in London and, um, serious, in interesting man, very serious. And, uh, I like his books. I mean, you really have to work at them, you know, but they're beautiful, beautiful stories, very intricate. I say you have to work at them because you have to work and try and understand what's going on and keep tabs of all the characters. But that's always been a, a favorite of mine. But I do have, I, I do like other espionage authors as well, yes. Fantastic. I didn't, I didn't tell you, I've also been making movies. So I've made a few movies in which I've been the executive producer. Uh, two of them were, uh, well, I've been involved in four. Uh, three of them really were uh, documentary dramas. Um, the one was called, uh, um, well, the best one really was called Mulberry Child in, in terms of its, its uh, distribution. Mulberry Child won various awards and was on PBS for two, two or three seasons. And it's about growing up in China during the Cultural Revolution, uh, which was an experience of a friend of mine who's Chinese and is also an author. And it was based on her memoir or book called Mulberry Child. And then, and then I, I was an executive producer of Judy, which was about Judy Garland, which won the Oscar for uh, Rene Zellweger. Last oh, year. wow! So I was one of the producers on that. And then two other documentaries earlier than that in the 90s. But originally I made, I was involved in the investment, uh, in uh, the investment and uh, executive producer in movies going back to the 1970s and distribution, the best one of which was called uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock. And we made a, a, a haiku. If you're old enough, you might remember them. <laughs> so movies, books. Now this next, our, your latest um, bookends are short stories. Tell yeah. me a little bit from a writing perspective. You've written novels and yes. now short stories. How is that different for you as a writer? Is it harder? Is it easier? Is it a different process? Um, I think, I mean, you think it's going to be easier because they're short, you know, but really the, the, uh, the challenge is to keep them short stories because certainly for me, once I start rattling away, the thing goes on and on and on and on. And then that becomes, it's not so concise. So you have to try and get the story concise, I think. And I've, 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 I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the experience. I enjoy the whole process of writing. That's why I do it. And I, I love to create the characters. And here in the short stories, you can create characters within a few pages and try and get your message across within a few pages. And also I want the, uh, my readers for whatever I'm writing to feel that they are there with me. Mm -hmm. So I write visually, I'm like doing the movie of the, of the book. And so I have the characters saying and doing things and I want the reader to be right next door right next to them and enjoying that experience. So um, I think that's probably easier to do with a short story because you can, you can pick it up and put it down and you can get through the whole book in a day. Mm. So it is a different experience, but I, I quite enjoyed it and um, came up with 10 short stories and maybe at a later date, I might do another 10, I don't know. But in the meantime, on your advice, I'm working on a new book uh, and um, that might be a novel or, or a novella that you were talking to me about. I haven't tried a novella yet, so that's in between the short stories and a novel. 
Exactly. So we'll see how it all comes out. No, that's a good point. You know, you started by saying that short stories should be easier because they're shorter, but that sometimes is harder, isn't it? You're trying to get, like you said, character development and yes. story arc and everything all crammed into a lot less space. Every word really counts. Every scene really counts. It does. And then you have to be pretty brutal to uh, get rid of your little darlings. You know what that is. You have to get rid of them. Say, oh, well, I like this. This sounds really lovely, but it's not really relevant to the story. So you have to cut it. And you have to do, you can do a lot less of that in a novel where you can give much more background, backstories going on. But in a short story, you haven't got time to do that. You have to get to the point, get to the arc, as you say, put in your obstacles and land up with a, a, an ending. And I don't mind leaving. I quite like having endings where they're not really endings. You don't really know what happened. And I like the reader to decide well, what, what happened. You know, uh, and, and certainly there are a couple of stories, more than a couple of stories in my uh, book of bookends where you're not really sure and you have to decide how it all turned out. I like that. I like that. But yeah. like you said about the characters, you know, to be able to get us involved with a character, to really love them, hate them, trust them, you know, despise them, whatever That's it might right. be, but in a short period of time. So every word, every sentence has to either serve the plot or it has to serve character development. It has to be doing something. Exactly. And, and it also has to create emotion. Mm. And I've had, I've had certain people call me about the book and tell me how much they enjoyed it or drop me a note and said they were crying over one of the particular stories, had me in tears. And I thought, well, that's, is that good? I didn't really want to make them upset, but I mean, it was that emotion that came out. Absolutely, and, there's and emotion. Then, and then other people have said about one of the other stories, which that they were they were nearly in tears, but then I, I left the ending. The ending wasn't a happy ending, and they would have liked to see happy endings. But I think you know, happy endings are nice to have, and I, I don't go out to have uh, miserable endings. But I do think there's more drama if the ending is not, if it's unexpected. And it, in a short story, it hits you like in five minutes, you know, you're reading and reading, bang, it's, it's finished. And that's what happened. You think, oh, my God, how did that happen? What happened after that? That's what we try to get to. <laughs> you like hearing from readers, don't you? Did, did you ever hear something from a reader that was unexpected? Like maybe someone commented, you said, wow. I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, no, I, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, someone, uh, I've got, I've got recommendations of why didn't I do this? Would I do that in another story? And yeah, they've got a good point. Do that. You know, and, and, and as I've been going on writing, I, I had, obviously, I had an editor and um, took in information from my editor. And then from another friend of mine who's a writer, took in information from what she had to say. And then I took in information from Jay Larkin. Yep. And um, all of that was helpful. And I, I always listen to advice. Don't always act on it 100%, but I do I listen. That. I understand when, that. You know, when they have, they have a good point. And I think, you know, the story might be better if I did this and this. And then, you know, I, I, I remember saying to my editor on many occasions when I was writing my novels, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know how to do that. And I'm not sure I could. And he always said, you know, just give yourself a day or two and think about it. It'll come to you. And I think each change that I made uh, is an improvement. 
And probably I could have gone on making improvements forever. That's the other problem, isn't it? Well, you know, you have two really good points here that I definitely want to reiterate. One is that you had people reading this manuscript. And I, and I love that you did that. And I'm saying it aloud because some people don't. And some people will say, send something in for, um, you know, an application and nobody has seen it. And how valuable that you worked with these editors and readers and they had opinions. And, and like you said, some you took, some you didn't, but trusted readers. I think that that was a great thing right. that you did, which, which not everyone does. That's why I wanna really kind of point to that fact and say, you know, good for you for making sure. Oh, I, I think you can, you, you know, you can learn by listening to others. You can learn always. And, uh, and also you can't, I mean, I don't take offense. I'm happy to be, give me criticism. That's fine. You, you thought it was absolutely a piece of crap. Okay, tell me that and tell me why. And I'll listen. I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm not offended. I know, I know certain writers will be offended because they put in all this work for years and years and years. Somebody says, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is hard. As a writer, you're really burying your soul on the page, aren't you? I mean, it's very vulnerable. Well, again, I don't, on short stories, I don't think you have time to bury your soul too much. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I do think where, where you've got a novel, where you have the story, the backstory, and a lot more emotion in it, then you do bury yourself sometimes, you really do, and you, you really think. And I, I do lots of thinking for days and days and days before I put anything on paper. And uh, you can do that. Um, in a novel, I think you really do get involved with your characters more and you can feel those emotions more. But the short story uh, as a genre is very interesting and, it, and it's fun. It's fun to read, I think. People have enjoyed reading the book and, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, some of them are obviously being polite, but a lot of people don't have to communicate with me and say they liked it, so I guess they do. But, um, but it's, 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 it's an easy read, it's pleasant, and it's just uh, enjoyable. Tell me a little bit about your process. You know, I, I love what an inspiration you are because they say that 90% of the people out there want to write a book. I mean, you've written several, so you obviously have this down pat. You mentioned thinking things over for days, the actual writing, you self-editing because you know which things have to stay and which things have to go. Um, for someone who's just listening and wants to get started, for someone who's thinking, well, he makes it sound so easy. Take me into your studio and into your mind. Do you sit at a desk? Do you go for a walk? What gets those creative juices? Well, I, I do think, uh, you know, as I said, I'm working on my next one on, on your advice. You said to keep them going. So I'm working on the next one and I'm thinking of the story. And uh, then I start to do research. I think that's important to make sure I'm going to get some facts right. So I've done some of that and I make notes on that. And then I'm thinking of characters. And in fact, um, uh, it, and often during the night, I do, this, I do a lot of thinking at night and I'm in bed and I'm thinking, and in fact, over this last weekend, there's uh, an, a guy that we know, we were up in Wisconsin, and, um, and I'm thinking of characters that I'm putting into this new book at a certain period of time, and it's going to involve 
to start with some part of it's going to be in the English countryside, but with this gentleman that we know from Wisconsin, who really knows about, loves the countryside up there, loves the rolling hills, loves the woods, understands every tree, loves the birds, and he gets so much out of it, so much out of it, and you get carried along with it. And I'm thinking, I've got to put him in my book. So <laughs> I'm going to have him, he's going to be a character, just a sm sm small bit to, uh, not the main character, but to help the main character through a difficult time and uh, learn from that experience of nature. Exactly. I love the way you talk about the way I the way I do it is that um I I you know because I'm I love I love movies as well is I try and visualize the books. I think you can write either you can write from longhand from the heart and bit by bit by bit by bit by bit, or you can visualize the scenes. And I try and visualize each chapter as a scene, series of scenes, and I try and visualize where they are, the location, and I like to put in real locations, you know, real towns, real, and the period as well, get the period right, real restaurants, for instance, real clothing descriptions, I like to do lots of description, and I think about those things, and when I've got it in my head, and I think I've got something going, then I will talk to my computer and hope that it types up what I'm saying, uh, which, which is uh, not always clear, but as clear as it should be, but then I talk to it and I, I, I get that bit down and that, that can take a while. And then I, and then I uh, work on that and then I'll try and get on to the next chapter. So I work chapter by chapter, but I've laid out the chapters in my head and also written them down, what they're going to be called and what they're going to involve. I, I was going to ask you if your computer understands your beautiful British lilt there. Yeah, well, there's an English version. There's an English version now. Yeah, really? I want to know whether... When it says English, American, or UK English. Now, do they want to know exactly what region you're from? I don't know if you're, uh, if, if a London accent is different from something in the West or. <laughs> no, I mean, I could, I mean, if I was, if I was in, but they, these days it can pick it up. They're amazing. It does pick it up. They'll get the accent right. Um, but I, I just have to find a, in fact, I'm going tomorrow to talk to a guy who's an expert on sound. Mm -hmm. because I'm not happy with what I'm getting from, I'm not getting accuracy enough. So, okay. but no, they will pick up accents. They're, they're, it's amazing how once, once you've done it, they know who you are and you get your accent. So you, you can talk in England or Scotland. I mean, I could be talking, I could be talking like a Scotsman up from Glasgow or Edinburgh. Exactly. Or I could be talking from Belfast in Northern Ireland and they talk like that. Or the countryside in England where they talk the Cornishman talk. Oh, army dear, I'll see what I can do for you. I mean, it's all... And you can have a different accent every 20 miles in Britain. So, you know. Uh, Alice, I had no idea that you had a talent for accents. <laughs> no, I, I don't have a talent. I have actually, it can be a, it can be really a burden because I'm one of those people that if I'm, if I'm talking to an Irishman after, you know, after about 10 minutes, I start talking like he does. I'm talking, I'm talking like an Irishman. And I don't want <laughs> to, and I'm not taking, I'm not, doing it out of the spite or I just can't help it. I pick up what he's saying and start talking back to him with the same accent. Well, I don't know. Every time you and I have spoken together, you don't pick up my New York accent. No, no, no. I'm not too good on New York. New <laughs> York. I know you can take the dog for a walk. That's about as far as I can go on that. Yeah. 
I'm waiting. You're going to practice. And one of these days, we're going to be having a conversation. And you're going to just spit it right back at no. me. It's well, no, you haven't got, I'm, you haven't really haven't got an accent. You've got a general accent. You haven't got a real New York accent. A, a general American. A general American accent, yeah. Blase accent. Well, I mean, I love, I love the way you are able to break down how you're writing. That's great. And even discussing how you dictate, because I don't know about you. I don't type very well. Do you type well? Because I use I don't type at all. That's the problem. I mean, I'm a one finger typer. That's Me too. I'm two fingers, yeah. one on each hand. I never learned to type. Never learned to type. We didn't have that in school. Join the club. I'm not a great typist either. I'm a good dic I, I'm a good dic dictator. I've always, you know, through business, I use dictaphone where you have a little tape and you talk into the microphone and then you hand the tape to your secretary and she types it all up. So I did that for a hundred years. So I, I got good at that. And that's why, that's what I'm doing with, the, with the writing the books really. Exactly. Yeah. And now the computer can be like your secretary because they can hear you and type it well, up. I wish they were not as good as, but uh, yes, they do. But you can go much faster. You can go much faster. You can go, your dictation will be three times the speed of the fastest typist. Mm. So that really means you get, you get a lot down. Right. So once you get going, if it's accurate enough, you can you can you can you can you can do a chapter in a few hours. Wow. Just the first and then then you edit and then I then I slot in stuff and I take out stuff. So it takes a long time. It does. It does take a long I time. I don't I don't have to go for a walk to think about it. I'm thinking about it all the time. And I I do I do have periods where I sort of get a bit stuck and I think, I don't know, this sounds terrible. I have to start again and I've had periods like that, but um, I, I recommend the visual, if you can do that, if you can do it visually, it's, uh, it's easier. Mm. Yes, well, I can imagine. Now, you mentioned somebody who you were going to put in your book, and it just got my wheels turning about authors and putting in people in their books. I've heard that if authors have an enemy, watch out, because that enemy will be the bad guy in your next book. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? You don't have to mention any names, but uh, do you have anybody in your books, in this book of short stories or in any of your others that are from your life, good or bad? No, actually, uh, none, of, none of the people were bad. Well, one, one guy, which was a true story, Black Rose, that is a true story actually based on he was he was the con man he wasn't a friend he he was we thought he was going to be a client where i was a chartered accountant and we thought he was going to be an account accountancy client but he was a con man uh, but i don't have any real bad guys in these these, these stories I hadn't thought about that i mean there are rather arrogant people and um, there are um, you know people whose behavior is not nice but uh, uh, i don't have any enemies but i have I have included in previous books, I've included certain characters who, if, if the certain people were reading them, they might recognize themselves. <laughs> One or two in the description, but probably not. <laughs> I've done a couple of those, but um, not really, no. I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't have many enemies, I don't think. Probably. Oh, well, that's a good thing, not to have many maybe enemies. I'm, maybe I'm just thick-skinned. <laughs> now how about you yourself are you in your books are they in some way quasi autobiographical or are you not that same character at all no i i think i think uh there's each story has got something based on my experience in life 
in some way or other. Nearly, nearly every story has got something. Yeah, I mean, the first, the first story in my short story, book of short stories, bookends, is it's called The Audit. It takes place in London in the 1950s. And it involves a young clerk, which I was, and it involves a client, which I've changed the name, which, which existed, and my description of what it was like in the 1950s, you know, still in austerity Britain after the Second World War, still old fashioned, still Victorian in many ways. And I described that, and that was all my experience. Um, the actual story is partly true, but uh, the, the interesting part of the story didn't really take place. So, um, but, uh, but that, yeah, so I'm in there somewhere. And uh, I'm, in there, I'm in there in a lot of stories, yes. Or my experience, and I've, I've uh, you know, fictionalized the stories and made them more interesting than the actual facts. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, are there any people that, you know, maybe you've met recently or during the course of your life that you're saying, yep, next book, they're in? That's what, well, sorry, say that again? Any, anybody you've met in your life that you're thinking, in the next book, I'm going to have a character just like that. Well, I was telling you about the guy from, from right. Wisconsin who yeah. loves the countryside, and I'm going to put him in. He's not going to be a main character, but he will definitely be in will definitely book. make it in. Any others? Uh, for the next book or for the previous books? Um, trying to think. Yeah, I've had, I've had people, business people, certainly, yes, I have had okay. people that I've come across and I use their characters or, or circumstances that took place and I've used those in the book yeah yeah I think, I think it makes it more realistic it really. does it does and you know so many people come to me and they ask questions like I have no ideas I don't know I want to write but I don't have any ideas and I always try to explain and you did it so well that your ideas are from your life yes yes they, they're really that's true I mean, I don't think you can say, I want to write a book and I haven't got any ideas. It should be, I've got a lot of ideas now. How do I get them into a book? Exactly. Exactly. Now, one final question about your writing process. Are you a write when I'm inspired or do you say, I'm going to write every single day and you sit down and you write? No, I, I don't write every single day. When I'm ready. I write ready. when I'm ready. I, I like to get all my thoughts in my head. I like to get the research done so I don't have to go back on that. Get the research done, make notes, get it in my head, sit down and start talking and see how it comes out and then edit it as I go along, you know, the main editing as I go along until I get through a chapter. Right. And then I've got the next chapters already in my head and then I'm ready to, because I know what the story is. I've got the story from start to finish in my head. So, uh, but it'll, it'll expand, it'll go in different directions. As you write, things come along. You think, oh, oh, wait a minute, I'm going off there, that sounds good. So you, you'll leave that in or you take it out or, you know, so no, I, I, I uh, that's the way I do it, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, and it's a fun process. I mean, don't, don't write, I would say to anyone, and I'm sure you do, don't, don't start to write a book if you think it's gonna be a pain in the neck. <laughs> That's true. It's supposed to be fun. It's, it's supposed fun. to be fun. Yeah. To yeah. Be fun. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it. Writing should be fun and reading should be fun. Reading and should be fun as well. 
certainly for all of our um, viewers out there, uh, just to remind you, um, bookends, short stories from a long life, and you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those fabulous places, but also at thebookendstories.com where you could learn more about um, our author, Ellis, and see some great pictures. There's gonna be events, book reviews, things like that. Thebookendstories.com and find yourself a copy of Bookends. And you have been such a delight. And I, you know, not just about the, the book, but really an inspiration to people who want to get started and just don't. You know, I said to you earlier that they say 90% of the population wants to write a book, but only about one or 2% actually do it. So they need a push from someone like you. I always say, if I can do it, you can do it. So <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. And you've done it many times over already, so. Yep, we'll, we'll keep going. Yep. Thank you. And thank you for your inspiration and your words of wisdom. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Very nice. Thank you. Bye-bye.